Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. You have been on a relentless journey for unconditional grace teachings for a while now, haven't you? Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. We are chosen to confound the false wisdom of the commercial teachings of men. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with the guard dog, Steve. Hello, everybody. I'm glad you're here, too. You're more important than we are. Yes, you are. Boy, I'd just like to thank the people posting on Facebook again. We were able to incorporate something Summit wrote summit wrote something good huh remember he did he God posted on him. facebook on first corinthians fifteen forty-five, and yeah i didn't see it yeah you must have because it just popped into our heads last week and we we it was just a great example of corporate identity okay the, the first man and the second man and the second man was also the last man and this idea that from god's vantage point there's only been two men that ever lived on planet earth right we probably ought to re-explain all that well now would be a good time to review before we start the next sure but tell me what summit said well he posted the passage and i forget exactly what he said but it was it made an illusion that in adam and in christ and that there's been two men and that in adam you're declared, you're identified as a sinner, but in Christ, you're identified as righteous. So he was on the same page as we were trying to explain the same thing. It's as if we <laughs> shared the same notebook. Yes. yes. Good. It's, it's That's good. the spirit. The spirit yeah. does that. Right. Works through many people. The mind of Christ. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So as far as review, Bill, make sure I'm saying it right or remembering it right it seemed like we went through and i think we did a, an example of corporate identity again and then we went in and showed that through christ's death burial and resurrection we were placed into him and what is known as the old man of us that's the way the Greek actually brings it out. The ancient man of us, that old man of us, that part of us that we that embarrasses us and lets us down, was crucified in Christ in God's sight. What a merciful thing it was for God to view us as in Christ. And there's a, the in Christ word. He viewed us as in Christ when Christ died on the cross, which is a word we'll probably need to just unpack a little bit because there's the idea of us being in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, in God, which is the opposite of in human effort, in human determination. And that, that's a temporal aspect of the phrase in Christ, but there's also an eternal aspect of the phrase in Christ, which goes down the avenue of corporate identity again. We were viewed as in Christ when Christ 
died as our representative. Yes, and it's it's important, and we touched on it, and we'll probably bring it up some more, too, that there's two points of view to the same truth. There's a temporal and an eternal point of view. And that's why Paul is able to talk about the old man, the old self, uh, your former way of life, using past tense expressions like old, former. Then he, in the same verse, is it Ephesians 4? It's a long sentence in the same sentence. He switches around and, and makes what he just said as past tense, present, yeah. participle. Yeah, he's, he he's says. He's being corrupted. Yeah, he says in Ephesians 4 that in regard you, you were taught in him, if you were taught in him the truth, and the truth is in him, you were taught that in regard to your former way of life. Past that, tense. That past tense that he was saying. It, it's former in God's eyes because the next phrase that he says, lay off the old man which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It's regarded as your former way of life in God's eyes. In our eyes, it's regarded as the one who's failing miserably, although he's trying to live the Christian life. Yeah, if you went to the church I grew up in after I became a Christian in 1987, mm -hmm. they would say, you better check and see if you're a Christian. At all. They would At use all. this passage, they would say, see, that old those old drinking days was your former way yeah. of life, and if you're still not meeting our expectations, you better check to see if you're even a Christian or not. How cruel is that? It was cruel. It was it was it was damning. I remember feeling the condemnation over and over because I've heard that use Ephesians four use that way to condemn you that way over and over again. It's like I've heard twenty sermons like that. Oh my gosh, Steve it was so bad for me because I really tried to put old things aside. Yes. And start doing new things. Right, right. And, and then to hear that, it made me, I actually literally said, I quit. Yeah. I don't want to be a Christian anymore because I'm such a miserable failure at being a Christian. I'll go back to my old, what I thought was my old life. That's what gave Freud his, his start. That's what made him famous because so many people were depressed because of their Christian views, because of what Christianity had laid on them. They thought they were such a miserable wretch that they were going in insane asylums. Well, I was totally ruined because now I couldn't even enjoy doing the old fun things anymore without a guilty conscience. Darned if you do, darned if you don't. Yeah, now I know better, so it's not fun. And so Paul gives that past tense, but then he he gives us something I never saw, never saw before, which is being corrupted. So he, just to review, Steve, we said former way of life, right? Yes. That past would, tense. That's what they say going up to the old bars and stuff. 
pretty clear. Instead of the beautiful revelation that it's from God's eyes is the former way of life. So if you could review that, Steve, that would be helpful about that that one passage there. And maybe you could hit on Romans 6, which is the old man of us, too. Yes. Pretty much saying the same thing. Right. Ephesians is keying in on Romans 6, where it says, Knowing this, that the old man of us has been past tense 2,000 years ago crucified. Then he goes to Ephesians 4 and he says, The old man is present tense being corrupted by his deceitful desires. He's bringing up to the present tense. But the verse before that, he says, That was your former way of life. In other words, in God's eyes, the old man was crucified. And in God's eyes, what you see your old man doing day to day was in God's eyes, former too. You know, Paul doesn't say a lot about the old man, but one thing he says consistently, he's dead. He's dead. And one thing he doesn't say about the old man is he gives zero instructions for reforming the old man, making the old man better. He says, lay him aside. In other words, don't put any confidence in him. Don't put any confidence in you in your human capabilities. Don't put any confidence in him. He says he's dead. And you know what he tells us to do? Reckon him. (laughs) That's what he says. Romans 6, 9, right? Yeah. Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. The word in Christ Christ. Jesus. So what does that mean? In Christ. That's a huge term in the New Testament in Paul's writings. Like I said earlier, in the temporal aspect of in Christ, it means not in your human effort. When you're told to do it in the Spirit, you're told not to do it in your human effort, but in the Spirit's power. But in Christ, where you just alluded to, was the corporate identity aspect of being in Christ. That's where when he died, we were considered in him. And, and, and I w- want to say, just because I'm thinking of this, this illustration that was in Hebrews and the Old Testament, we were in Jesus' loins is what I'm going to say. We were which seeds. Would, which, <laughs> would, which would make no sense at all. But maybe if we go there and look at that, you'll see that it's another aspect of corporate identity and how God sees things. Because you'll see, oh, crazy view of what God was seeing when Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Maybe we should go to Hebrews? Yeah, let's do that one. Okay. Okay, let me set some background in place. You to read this passage, Bill, okay? Yeah, there's a little background needed. Yeah. Now, what had happened was Abraham had just gone to war with an army that was a little bit bigger and tougher than his army, but yet Abraham prevailed and won the battle. And he comes back to a priest who has no beginning or no end, a priest called Melchizedek, and he wants to offer Melchizedek 
a tithe because Melchizedek had blessed him and he won the war because of Melchizedek's blessing. So we come up to that story being told in Hebrews chapter 7, and you might start off in verse 4. Verse 4, talking about the Levitical priesthood and the new priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And then he explains about this guy, Melchizedek. Verse 4, chapter 7, verse 4 of Hebrews. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tithe of the plunder. Verse 5, now the law requires that descendants of Levi, who became priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descendants from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descendant from his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tithe from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Speaking of Abraham. Verse 7. And without doubt, here's a principle here, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. Verse 9, this is the this is the key verse right here. One could even say that Levi, who collects tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. How? Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the loins of his ancestors. Now, you've got to realize what is being said here. He's saying Levi, meaning the Levites, 400 years later after the Mosaic Law, the Levites collected a tenth from all the people in Israel, and they offered that tenth to the Lord. That's 400 years later. But this passage is saying you might be, you've got a, a case if you say that Levi offered his tenth to Melchizedek, who was his ancestor by 400 years. Wait, how did he do that, Steve? That's because when Abraham was offering the tenth to Melchizedek, it says Levi was in his loins, meaning God saw, there again, another merciful sighting from God. This is the way God says he saw it. I saw Levi in the loins of Abraham when he tithed to Melchizedek. So Levi, who was born 400 years later, got credit for tithing to Melchizedek. (laughs) Because time is irrelevant to God's eternal point of point view. view. And, and the question is, why would God so mercifully see what he saw? Levi in the loins of Abraham, it, it, it sounds all goofy, but when you realize that when we apply this to Christ and God saw Christ living the exemplary Christian life, then we realized that in God's eyes, we were in the loins of 
Christ as he was doing this, we get credit 2,000 years ago for living an exemplary Christian life because we were in Christ, prophetically speaking, by the Spirit. We were in Christ as he was working out his earthly ministry. We were. Not to be graphic, Steve, but loins is not something women have, but it is... If you saw a Tarzan movie, you know what a loincloth was. Yes. It's where the, the seed is. I where guess the you seed could, is. Didn't Jesus say unless a, a seed falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a single seed? Yes, he did. And if you look at a seed from a, a human point of view, a natural point of view, a temporal point of view, not much to it. If you could see the way God sees from an eternal perspective... You wouldn't just see a orange seed or a kernel of wheat. You would see a wheat field. You would see a wheat field 70 generations later. You'd see all massive wheat fields. All the wheat or all the oranges that ever came from those seeds. Came from one seed. Came from one seed. That's how God sees things. He can tell how many millions of oranges came from one seed of an orange. And Job, and I think it's Job 40, the the one guy, the young guy, his name was Elihu, I believe. Okay. The three older guys were blaming Job for all the catastrophes that hit. The young guy said something so unknown at the time he said it, but so profound to us now. He said, there is a spirit in man. When he said man, it's it's mankind, meaning all people. There's a spirit in man, and it's the breath of the Almighty that gives him understanding. That spirit that's in every man is the seed that you're born again with. We've been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of the imperishable seed. So that seed is Christ. Jesus said it himself. Unless a kernel of wheat or seed falls to the ground and dies, well, who was he talking about? He was talking about a seed. Remember we said in 1 Corinthians 15.45, the first man, Adam, the corporate identity we talked about, became a living soul, but the last man became a life-giving spirit. The breath of the Almighty awakens the spirit and he's regenerated or born again of the imperishable seed. So I think we were going to go to Exodus because it's another loin passage, I believe. Okay. Is it Exodus 1? I think it is. I think it is Exodus 1. Here it is. Exodus 1. Okay, while you're getting there, let me do a brief summary. Israel was about to leave where they were and start heading towards Egypt, but they wanted to kind of count how many people there were that were, were leaving on this trip, so they didn't lose anybody. But it said that they had kind of, it gave a bunch of names and told who all was there, and then it comes up to verse 4. Yeah, and verse 5 after he mentions all the sons of Israel that went to Egypt, and he says, verse 5, 
of Exodus 1, and all the persons who came from the loins of Jacob were 70 in number. But Joseph was already in Jacob, in Egypt, I'm sorry. So all the people, there we have that word loins again. Steve. Yes. He saw all the people that came from the loins of Jacob, who's also named Israel, were 70 in number. So Levi was one of those people in the loins of, that came from the loins of Jacob. Yes. So in Hebrews 7, we see someone getting credit for something while he was in the loins of his ancestor, Abraham. So Levi was getting credit for what Abraham did because he was in the loins of Abraham, which these are just types and shadows that show pictures of what was going to happen with Christ. That's how the Old Testament rolled. It just gave us the, the illustration so we would see it in the New Testament. And you see what the illustration is, is that somebody's in someone when they do something. So we were in Christ when Christ lived a righteous life. And therefore, we got the credit. That's, that's Just why things. it was so important to put the types and shadows of it. They're trying to tell us something. We got credit for Jesus's life. That's good news. The same way Levi got credit for paying tithes because he was in Abraham. Exactly. exactly. We got credit for living perfectly the law because we were in Christ yes. when he kept it to the T. And this is a classic example of showing you what it means from an eternal perspective to be in Christ. This is the eternal view that we were in Christ because he saw all the orange trees that were going to be grow from the first seed. He saw everything all of us get credit for what the first seed did. That's why they use the phrase in Christ as an eternal truth. Yes. And speaking of seeds, wasn't that in Genesis right from the beginning? I'll put enmity between your, your seed, seed and her seed. Yes. And you see those two seeds. That's another podcast oh, in itself. That's three All podcasts. Yeah. That is awesome. all the way through the Old Testament. You see the two seeds. Yeah, we should we should do that on a podcast. Now that you brought that up, I should have you do that on a podcast because you just tear it up. Another podcast. So. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So moving along. So let's look at maybe some Romans five because we're going to see these two men side by side, verse after verse comparisons doing something that everyone gets credit for and then the other one doing something that everyone gets credit for. Okay, we're seeing good two, and bad. We're seeing two corporate identity figures in Romans chapter 5. First we start off with the one figure, the one corporate identity figure called Adam and we see that sin entered the world through Adam and then sin infested all people on the earth because of the one sin of Adam. 
the one corporate identity person. The one man. Yes. And then what verse do we land in? Let's pick it up in verse 15. Okay. So 12 through 14, we're talking about the trespass of Adam or the transgression that that we were all getting credit for. We were all getting credit for. Here's some good news. Here's okay. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, there's the one again. Our corporate man. If by the transgression of our corporate man, the many died. Ooh. Not good. Rough stuff. Doesn't seem fair. No. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. So we have another one man identity. Because of that one man's obedience, we all got the gift. And the gift, says here, is better, Mm -hmm. greater. Yes. Verse 16, another comparison to the two men. The two corporate men. Which is an example of the two corporate identities. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Notice how it's still the one who sinned. Yeah. For on the one hand, judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. Reminds me there was a book written... Don't blame it on Adam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul didn't read that book, apparently. He blames Adam. He, big time. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> we got to say it. He okay. blames Adam big time. Huge. Okay, on the one hand, the judgment arose from how many transgressions, Steve? Uno. One transgression resulting in condemnation. On the other hand, the free gift arose after many transgressions, resulting in justification. Verse 17, it's getting better. For if the transgression, if by the transgression of the one, that was Adam, death reigned like a king through that one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Remember we talked about that gift of righteousness. Yes. It's a gift. And righteousness means you lived the law perfectly. That's the gift that you get. You got credit for that. Yes. One guy got condemned and he condemned everyone because he did not live to that covenant of do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Exactly. He failed on his end, and we all got credit for it. And we all paid for it. And we all died. Yes. Because of it. Okay, verse 17. I'm going to read it again. Mm -hmm. I might stop you one time. It's, I mean, it's, we could camp here. Yeah. For if by the transgression of the one man, Adam, Death reigned, I'm adding, like a king, Mm -hmm. because that's what Mm -hmm. it means. Through the one man, death ruled. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the earned righteousness, Steve, or gift gift of righteousness. 
will reign like kings in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18, so as through one transgression, that's what Adam did, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, Jesus' entire life lived out in faithful obedience to God's law is considered one act of righteousness. There resulted in justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinner, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Righteous. There we go. Righteous. Steve, we didn't obey God. One man obeyed God. Amen. And we got credit for living the perfect Christian life because we are the seeds of Christ. One man obeyed God. Yes. One man's obedience and we all got credit for the gift of righteousness. That's why we were hounding on this phrase in Christ, in his corporate identity, we were represented and received the benefit of his life and his death. So if I was to look at you, guard dog Steve, and say, how did you measure up to the law? In Christ, perfectly. In Christ, there's the word. In his corporate identity, I measured up. I got an A. You're right. You did get an A, and I got an A, and we all got an A for living that perfect, exemplary life under the law. And that was in God's eyes. That was in God's eyes. You also got credit not only for living the perfect life according to the law, you also got credit for his death on the cross. And if you remember in John 14, I think we did a podcast on that, the upper room discourse. discourse. Oh, the upper room discourse. The upper room discourse. He had his followers there together. They're still under the old covenant at that time, right? They're still under the Mosaic covenant. And he has his followers there. And they're called followers because they literally followed him around and he talked to them. Right. It's not a cliche like we we use it now. But the new covenant hasn't gone into effect and he's telling them, my ministry that you've been following me around and I've been telling you about ends tonight. Ends tonight. And they were bummed out. Oh, it was devastating to them. It was not what they expected to to happen. They felt hot, left high and dry. And he's telling them, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be torn apart. I'm going to be crucified, buried. But then he says, but I will come again. And then he says, in that day, which he was talking about Pentecost. He said, do you remember this, Guard Dog Steve? He said, you will know something. Yes. What will they know? Oh, they'll know that 
Jesus in God and God is in Jesus and Jesus is in the disciples. Jesus and God are in the disciples. He's talking about Christ in us. us. That's why he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it just remains a single seed. But that seed, which was Christ, fell to the ground, was buried, and resurrected on, actually, resurrection, what's the word I'm looking for? Easter Sunday, we call it now, is Passover. Mm -hmm. But the first festival was called the first fruit, and it was the barley harvest. And it corresponded exactly to the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And then 50 days later, we have Pentecost, which is more seed coming to life. It's more fruit. Yes. The day of Pentecost was the day Jesus said, and that day, that's the day he's talking about, you will realize that that I am am in you you, and you are in me. And I'll be darned if they didn't (laughs) remember that. That was a big huge day yeah when a mighty rushing wind came and they were all taken over and powered by the holy spirit by the holy spirit by jesus jesus was back and ever since that day just like elihu said in the book of job there's a spirit in mankind and the breath of the almighty which is the holy spirit gives them understanding gives them inspiration gives them life people have been getting born again ever since that day and ever since that day there's this new hope of glory that Colossians calls what, where is it Steve? It's in Christ in you the hope of glory Colossians 127 I believe 128 is it starting to make sense? yeah I hope that this gospel message is starting to get cohesive and it's coming together for you because everything fits and complements each other. All these thoughts. Unfortunately, a lot of times phrases like in Christ and Christ in you have no it, meaning. No, they don't. They become phrases that, that we say, oh, he's in Christ. And to me, they've got a precious meaning. Oh, they mean so much. But that, And that's what we're going back into now, the temporal aspect of what it means to be in Christ. We're going back now to all the illustrations the apostles and Paul used about being in Christ or Christ being in us. Because on a temporal perspective, if I'm using the phrase in Christ, in the Spirit, in the Lord, in God, it means the opposite of in human strength, in your own determination, in your own power. It means the opposite of that. Oh, foolish Galatians, after beginning in the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal of Christianity in the flesh, in your human effort? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In Him, capital H-I-M, is another one. Yes. That we just throw around. It has meaning now. It does. Christ in us, the hope of glory, in Colossians 1. Then he goes into Colossians 2, and he says, I want you to be in... He prays. He says, I'm laboring with all his energy. 
I'm struggling because I want you to be encouraged in heart by Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want you to be united in love by Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want you to have the full riches of complete understanding. Didn't Job say that in Job? That the spirit, (laughs) there's a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Didn't he say that? He did. I want you to have complete understanding of the mystery of Christ. The mystery of God, namely Christ. And what's hidden in Christ, Steve? In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All of them. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, or 7, I'm sorry, says, well, after 6 says, the God who said, let light shine out of darkness has caused his light to shine in our darkened hearts. Isn't that the same thing again? The breath of the Almighty gives them understanding. Mm -hmm. The light comes on and Mm -hmm. we have understanding. Mm -hmm. And what was the reason he shines in our darkened hearts? To give us the understanding of the knowledge of the glory of God. In Christ Christ Jesus. In the face of Christ. Then he goes on to say, we have this treasure. Same thing he says in Colossians all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says, we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. That the all-surpassing greatness would be clearly to be seen of God God and and not us. Of us. Guard Dog Steve is so gracious. Every time we do a podcast, he gives me a, a cup of coffee or a cup of something, Gatorade today. But I don't look at it and go, thanks for the cough. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't go, thanks for the cup, Steve. I say, thanks for the coffee, Steve. Because what's important? The, the, the earthen vessel? No. Or what's placed? Good analogy. Good what's analogy. in the earthen vessel? That's what's important. So I say, thank you for the Gatorade. Yes. I don't say, thank you for the nice the cup, cup and dump out the Gatorade. And right. Right, put the, you know, but uh, there can be expensive cups. But he can hand it to me in a red solo cup. Yes, and it's the same value. It's what is filling the cup. It is what is filling the earthen vessel. And what is filling the earthen vessel? God what? Almighty. God Almighty. What a privilege! He could use the rocks. He said, "If these people don't praise me, God can." make the rocks praise me but he doesn't use the rocks he uses us and it's such a privilege to be used by the God of this universe as he manifests himself through you like it said he had his light shine in our darkened heart so that we would gain the understanding which is what the spirit needs gain the understanding that it is Christ in us that is important not the cup not the cup what's in the cup right so why do we give the cup a bunch of do's and don'ts and keep hounding the cup saying you better do it better you better do a better cup when it's just a cup you can't do it any better but yet we keep beating up and condemning the cup 
and then the cup doesn't even realize that he's got the Spirit of God in him because all he's been told about is that he's just a cup that needs to perform better than he's performing because God will be disappointed in him. And the poor cup just tries <laughs> as hard as he can. Yeah. And that's that was my predicament, Steve, when we started the podcast. I had gotten to a point in my life that I, I was trying to change. I was trying to reform my old man. And like we mentioned earlier, God does not say a lot about the old man, except that he is corrupt, that he never does good things, and mercifully that he's dead. Other than that, he doesn't say a lot about him. He doesn't expect you to change the old man, no. make a better old man. That comes on Sunday, every Sunday morning. They keep going, make the old man better. Make He better tighten up. I don't even know if the old man's a Christian. You, you better check your heart to see if you're even a Christian. You may not, you know what, you may not even, why don't you get out of our church? Yeah. I was told that I didn't. I, I don't think I ever was told <laughs> to, get to leave. But you were told you were on. I felt like I wasn't yeah. wanted there. Yeah, and I felt like if I stay here any longer, I'm just going to corrupt other people. So I might as well leave and go by myself. Yeah, but it it wasn't till about five years later when I was just about to quit Christianity altogether. I remember you saying I'm about to quit. I and I invited you over to the clubhouse. And I said, I'll give it one more try. Right. And you said, I think you're going to like this. Yes. And you know what I learned? Mm-hmm. I started learning my identity in Christ. I yeah. started learning that in Christ was different than in trying hard to do Christian things. Yes. So, But the good news is Christ in me was already there, even though I didn't know it. And he wouldn't let me quit. Amen. <laughs> and here I am today. And I really, I just want to say this. This is, this is my heart, if I could share it with you. If you're hearing something in our podcasts, and they're as real as we can make them. We're not seminary students, and we're not eloquent of speech. But if you're hearing something, and... It's starting to resonate a certain giddy-up in your walk. You're hearing about life. You're hearing about his life. And you're sensing that it's real. You're sensing that what we're saying is true. And we've given you the scriptures to, to show it's true. If it's encouraging you, if there's any encouragement you're getting from this, then share it. I know we ask you for that, but... Go to guardinggrace.com, which is our webpage. You can hit the podcast button. And when you're on the podcast, there's a share button. And go ahead and, and push that. And you can send it through text. You can send it through email. All kinds of ways to, to share it. And share it with people. You know, tell them it, it encouraged you and listen to it. If yes. you have a legal, legalistic friend, send it to them. Tell them to pick it apart. Like Jesus said, follow us. Become followers. <laughs> Hit the follow button <laughs> on, on the webpage that says you're a follower. <laughs> yes. 
is funny. Yeah, that's true. But no, we want you to join us and we want you to share where this message comes from so that other people can hear the message too. If you think it was a decent message, if you think it has benefit. Because you're really not following Guardians of Grace. No. We're, we're pointing you to the podcast. And if we do our job right, Guardians of Grace will have absolutely zero followers, but we'll have thousands and thousands of followers of Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. That'll be victorious to us. Yes. So with that in mind, do you want to close us or? Yeah, or you, you can. Yeah. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much that you allowed us to be here in this room in front of these microphones and that we didn't have to say a thing. You spoke through us, Father. Thank you for doing that. Thank you that these are your words. I pray that everybody in the listening audience would accept them as they really are your words, Father, because we just pointed to your words that were in the Bible. And we pointed and pointed and pointed and pointed. So, Father, just take your word and give it the energy that it needs. Anoint everybody with a spirit of wisdom and revelation so when they hear this word, they can understand these spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words that came from your Bible. I ask that you allow us to take root in this new way of life in Christ Jesus that Paul taught everywhere in every church, Father. And it's in your son's name that I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. We love you. Love you guys.